Hey there, I'm Nikki Milne, high school dropout, next hairdresser and salon owner turned PR and marketing expert and founder of the Peth Collective PR agency. The Passion to Profit podcast is a conversational business podcast with a focus on marketing and PR to help business owners scale successfully, acquire more customers, increase your profits and become that desired go-to brand in your industry. So open your notepad on your phone, get out your pens and paper. You don't want to miss any of the following tips, tricks, and strategies that you're about to experience on the Passion to Profit podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to the Passion to Profit show. Today, I am joined by Zarina from Kenzina Skincare. Welcome to the Passion to Profit show. Hello. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to share your story. I think we met a few years ago in Perth and just since then, you, your business has just grown so much. I know you've relocated from Perth to Sydney. So I'm really excited to delve into everything that's been happening with you and how you've expanded your company. Well, let's start a long story. How it's yes, all tell so- me, where did you, where, how did you end up in Australia and your background story? I'd love okay. to know more. So first of all, I'm like, I'm an immigrant. I came to Australia in 2008, which makes, what, 14 years. But I never in my life thought that, that I'm going to be in Australia. When I was little, I watched too many American movies. So I had American dreams. So <laughs> I wanted to come and live in, a, in America. And when I was 18, I had the chance to go and study English. And I ended up in America. But I was too young. I wasn't prepared for adult life. I would say that in terms of working, studying, providing food for myself. And I got homesick after a while and I went back to Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan is actually, it used to be part of USSR, right now it's an independent country and it's 11th biggest country in the world. So it's a big country. It's a developing country. It has a lot of oil and gas and a lot of mineral resources. Uh, So yeah. And when I went back home and after a few months, I realized, now I want to go back. And the American embassy didn't give me a visa to go back. So at that time, my sister, she lived in Australia. So she said to me, come and, you know, finish your degree here. So i done the test. It was IELTS test for you like to come and study to Australia. You have to do IELTS test. So I prepared for this, got here. With a suitcase, I didn't even look exactly where I'm going. And I, she lived in Darwin. So Northern Territory, like, oh my you know, gosh. like super humid. I said to her, what should I pack? She just said to me, pack sandals and shorts. And that's what I did. I packed sandals and shorts. <laughs> and, I came. and I remember the first, like, obviously I have to change a few airplanes. And I came, we landed like 5 a.m. in the morning. And the first thing when I walked out and we were driving to the, her place is, was no people. Like no people on the streets, like like in Russia, in Russia, in Kazakhstan, you know, like it doesn't matter day and night, you always will see people, like it's 24 seven never stops. And here it's like, you know, once it's night, like even in Perth, when it's at night, there is no one in the city. It was, you know, it's completely opposite overseas. Like you, like anyway, anywhere you will go overseas is different, especially like Europe or anywhere, like it's still buzzing at night. Like everything is open. There are shops 24 seven open. And I was surprised when, you know, in um, shops were closed on Sunday. Like, I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Where did I stop? You know, over here. <laughs> How did we survive? So anyway, um, and I started to do, actually, um, 
Bachelor of Commerce, but I wanted to do accounting first. But then after six months, I realized it was too boring. And I switched to marketing. So I finished my degree and then got a job in marketing. And I was, I think I was very, very lucky that my career, my life started in Darwin because it was a small city. There was no rush, like a Russian speaking community. So I was made to speak English and make friends. And um, that's why I think my English improved quite quickly. And then um, as well, just making friends. I was just, I had to, because my sister obviously was married. She was a bit different lifestyle and, you know, I was single and studying. So again, different lifestyles. So um, had to make a lot of friends, had to learn English and, you know, got a job. And because it was so small and like, you know, Darwin so rural, uh, was never enough people. So I was lucky that Almost fresh after university, I mean, I did have some experience in marketing. I got a um, government job, which was good uh, for Darwin Waterfront Corporation, like a big precinct to do marketing for them. And like, I'm so thankful, you know, that time as well, that I was given this opportunity, which I think if I would be in a bigger city, which I really wanted when I first came to Australia, I really wanted to move like to Sydney or to Melbourne or Canberra. But I just didn't do it because I had a family in Darwin. But I think I would not have that opportunity somewhere in the bigger city just because it's a bit more competition. Yeah, absolutely. And so then how did you end up in Perth? That's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to give us a brief leap to how you ended up from Darwin to Perth? Yeah, so then from um, in Darwin when I met my husband, he was he's actually from Brisbane, but he was uh, given the opportunity to work in Darwin to manager studio and we met there and then you know obviously fell in love with each other and then uh two years after we got married and then we just were looking for some opportunities at that time uh he didn't want to go back to Brisbane and we were just not ready again to go to the bigger city like Sydney and Melbourne at that time so we decided to go to Perth Perth was kind of like a good like another good city to go to in terms of the size, it was bigger than Darwin. But just at that time, especially like what, how many years? Like 10 years ago, like Perth was really booming, booming with all the mining and businesses and everything. So at that time, we were thinking that's a good opportunity to go to Perth. So that's how we ended up in Perth. And then obviously that is where Kenzina started. So Kenzina was born in, um, yes, in Perth. So tell us about the brand. So 2019, I had an idea. I was on my second maternity leave <laughs> and I, you know, as always, you're you, as if you don't have enough to do yeah. to look <laughs> after children. <laughs> so um, I just had an idea. I always, I loved skincare. I still, like, I love skincare. I always, like, every time when I travel somewhere, I always buy something, look at something, like, what do they do in different countries? Like, what's their product, you know, everyone is raving or talking about? So, I love skincare, I love testing, I love reading about it, about different ingredients. Like I like to mix my own stuff as well. Yep. Like I like to do my homemade scrubs or creams or anything and um, like oils or mists. So first I was thinking, it was completely different to what it is right now. So first I was thinking Kinzina is going to be like online shop, like Adore Beauty, similar to that. But I will bring the best products from internationally 
to Australia and introduce them to Australian market, to Australian people. Because, like, Australia is so far away. We're so limited. But, you know, because we have such a strong regulations, like, importing is so expensive, you know. So I understand why some brands don't come to our market, like, to Australia. But I wanted to be that, I guess, middle person to bring those products to Australia. And that's how it started. But then since then six months after, so I started in 2019, like mid-2000, I think September 2019, I launched uh, the website. And at first, I wanted to call it Zarina. But Zarina.com.au was taken. And then I was thinking, oh, we'll call it Kenzina. And Kenzina is my maiden name. So I used to be Zarina Kenzina before I became Zarina Weston. <laughs> and- <laughs> Australian name you changed to. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Kenzina, and it's just I love it. You know, like uh, first I wasn't like I wasn't sure, but right now I think it's it's a great name. I love it. It's something mysterious, like you know. And there's and, a story um, behind it. You know that when you hear it, you're like, how did that name come about? Where did that that name come from? So I think absolutely, and it's just I think you've actually grown into the name having watched the brand evolve over the last two years, immediately when I heard it, I was like, oh, God, how are people going to remember that? It's quite an unusual name. It's very unique. But then over time, we've all got very comfortable with it. And now it ultimately, in many ways, is what sets you apart because it's such a strong brand name and it is unique. Yeah. And, I, like, when I was also thinking about it, I always thought about Japanese brand Kenzo, you know, like, I don't know yes. why, like, that – for a long time, I even used to have like Zarina underscore Kenzo at yahoo.com. Like I was always inspired by that brand as well. So that's why I thought Kenzina, it's still like it's a strong, good brand name is oh. how I look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. And so then how did you evolve from being wanting to bring in and import these products into Australia to actually growing and producing your own brand, which has just revolutionized your actual company? Well, I just realized that I want my own product. I want to take a full ownership, exactly what goes inside the packaging and what goes outside of packaging. And I wanted to bring a good, you know, product at that time was just an eye masks at that time um, when I was thinking about it. Um, just something that works and something that has good ingredients in them and affordable because as a young family, like when you're single, uh, when you just got married, you, you spend a lot of money on skincare. Yes, <laughs> and, and extravagant and things. <laughs> love, like clothes and everything. And then when you become a mom, obviously you have to kind of share the, whatever, the profits or, yeah. you know, share the budget a little bit to the little ones. So then you kind of, you want or you don't want to, you kind of limit yourself to what you can afford. So that's yes. why as a mama two of two at that time, I knew that my products will always have to be affordable. They can't be, but something that also will refresh you as a mom, as a businesswoman, as a as a person that you will wake up, put them on, whatever product it will be, and you'll feel instantly like glowing and refreshed and ready to go and conquer the world, you know. Absolutely. So share with us what your first product was. I obviously know it was iMars. Um, how did that come about? And, you know, tell us the story of how that kind of propelled the brand forward. So the iMask was first because I've been using very similar product, but as I say, it was never, I was never 
keen on what exactly goes inside and everything what was available in Australia was everything was individually packed and I had I like only I think I also again because of the kids I hate how much plastic we use you know like everything individual wrap like this lol dolls like nothing against lol dolls themselves but the packaging it just drives me crazy and every time when I unpack the kids and packing their like their toys and everything individual packaging how much plastic we use and it's what more like in Australia I guess we don't see it but every time when we go overseas again like Bali Thailand like how much plastic in the oceans and it kills me every time like it's and I always think about our next generation like my kids my grand our grandkids what what we are leaving after us you know for them so that's why I knew my product will always have sustainable packaging that's the must you know it's tell I'll tell you it's super difficult it's impossible <laughs> sometimes yeah absolutely I I love that about your products and just to clarify for everyone I guess Serena's kind of explaining how that when her eye mask back when you initially formulated them a lot of them were individual packaging it's like the sheet yeah. masks; they're all in individual yeah. packaging and what you've done is actually shift the market and you've actually how many eye masks do you get actually oh, in a yeah. pub? 30, 30 pairs, so 60 yeah. eye, like 60 yeah. eye masks, 30 pairs. With the lip mask, it's 24 lip masks in the container. And with the face mask we have, which was a, such a difficult, long process for me to find a manufacturer who will do biodegradable packaging of the face mask. So face mask, like it was a long process how I wanted to do the face mask. I did initially I did want them to be like multiple pack of seven or ten, but I thought that the face mask, especially, people will not gonna use them daily and then their product will dry out. So it needs to be individually packed with the face mask. But to find a company who will do biodegradable packaging and biodegradable face mask itself, it was a mission, I'll tell you. It was a mission of 18 months. It took me 18 months to find a company, to negotiate with the company, you know everything and COVID obviously made things harder because you couldn't travel you couldn't test every time you'll have to pay for postage for samples for everything so yeah it's 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 a difficult road I have chosen definitely (laughs) I you know I just admire you we were just talking off air but you're only just about to come up to two years of launching from your very first product and launching the company, which just blows my mind because the progression you've had, the growth you've had in the middle of COVID with lockdowns and shutdowns and like you say, restrictions on being able to travel to sample in factories and things like that is just mind blowing to me how you've achieved so much. And I mean, how many stockers are you currently in across Australia currently? So currently we have in Australia a Approximately 120 to one we sell directly and buy from us. We do have two in, no, three in New Zealand right now and two in the US. So one in California, one in Texas. So I'm like, when I, when I saw every time when I, it's like, doesn't matter, like Australia or international, like I'm always so happy to see, yeah. and especially internationally because we don't really advertise internationally. You know, people don't know about us. So they find like about us organically, like from social media. So it's always like, yeah, it just blows my mind that, you know, sometimes how beneficial social media can be for the small businesses, like a micro businesses like me. Absolutely. And I know you're being very humble there. You're not including all the other salons and spas and all the distribution chain of the company. So it's up around 300 businesses. Yes. Within two years. 
Yeah, with the business as well. Like initially, first, I didn't want to sell like distributions. Like the I call them distributions. It's, it's the companies who buys in bulk, like a big, very big quantity from us, and then resell them to the beauty salons or to the retailers. And first, I didn't want to, but then I understood, especially when the first company came to me and approached me, like the rich, they will be able to provide, you know, and then the rich, they can, I can't say no. And that time when, because the first shipment of the product was costing me a lot of, lot of money because it happened in the middle of COVID in the first lockdown, the shipment cost me as much as the product costed me. So when I, when the first distributor came and approached me, and then, the, like, you know, they said to me, like, give us the best price. And I gave them the best price. But I was only making, like, I think 50 cents or 20 cents out of the product. But, again, I just, at that time, I'm just, like, I knew for my business. If I would say no to them, I wouldn't get the same exposure. Yeah. Like, by myself. I wouldn't. You yeah, know, and this so. is, I think, sometimes as a business owner, that's what you have to do. You just have to adapt and sometimes change your directions or strategies as you go as well, like adapt to things. Absolutely. And I think that's what enabled, you know, they have introductions and obviously relationships that you might not have Mm -hmm. built yet or access to. So by actually taking on a distributor, you're actually opening your door and using all their valued relationships and the trust they've built. So it literally, um, you know, that's allowed you to expand a lot quicker than having you to actually go and contact 300 small businesses yeah, yeah. or companies. Yeah, yeah. I, and it- I wouldn't I wouldn't get as many like 300 or 400. And I know some of the distributor, especially I know one of them, she sells internationally. She sells them so many of the products to US, to Ireland, to Europe, you know, because I can see that people are tagging them like me and them. So I know where, you know, where they buy it from. So yeah, that's incredible. So I, yeah, I'm just in awe of how much you have expanded in two years. And, you know, I think it's so important to share this story because product-based businesses definitely have taken a hit in COVID. There has been shipping delays, there are shipping costs, oh, yes. all these challenges, like you're saying, I didn't even think about the manufacturing element of it. So to actually push through that and you have launched in the last probably, uh, is it about three or four months Obviously, new masks, um, the ice range. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that new range? Because I just see that everywhere on social media. And it, it, I mean, I love it. My children love it. Um, it's constantly reappearing in my kitchen daily, your mask, where either it's me or the children or even my husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My husband loves the uh, freezable eye masks. Yeah. And my kids love them too because I think they put them on and they think they're superheroes. They kind of <laughs> guess that, that look, the superhero look. Yeah. Um, well, again, like it's funny as well. With all the um, I with all the products. First of all, what I want to say, like people always ask me, like sometimes people, other businesses ask me, like, how did you start? Like, how did you come up with this idea? But I always say to them, you just have to start from something, like whatever. Just start from one little thing, and you will be surprised how many ideas that come to your mind. Like you know, and then I have like maybe a list of another 50 products I want to launch, which I can't, you know, really? because oh my gosh. yes, big and other business ideas that I really want to do. But like, I mean, obviously it's a lot of, it's a lot of money involves in introducing new products. And, and that's another thing I didn't realize. Like I was like, yeah, yeah, I have some spare cash. I will launch five different products. And right now, I'm like, okay, but how am I going to do it? Like, you know, <laughs> I've got to recover these investment costs to produce new products yeah. and that's the development yeah. costs and the shipping and the testing and yeah. all the rest of it. 
So what drives you? What is your passion? What makes you get up in the morning and want to do this business? I think it makes, like, to be to bring a difference, especially, you know, how I was talking about sustainability message. Like, I really want to make a difference in the beauty industry and show that, you know, we can be more sustainable. We can bring smart packaging. We can come up with the great ideas. And the same with the freezable, like, freezable eye masks. That, that, those ideas came to me when one of my friends had a plastic surgery and uh, she was keep applying ice pack on her nose and then it will keep falling off so that's why when I did the freezable face mask I knew it will have to have adjustable straps on them you know so then if you do have a plastic surgery or you have migraines or anything and you want to apply something like a cold like ice pack or anything it will stay and this is another thing for my business is to be mobile while you're wearing the skincare like while you're wearing face mask or eye mask you can exercise you can Prepare lunches for your kids. You can drink coffee. I mean, you can't drink coffee with the lip mask, obviously, which is a shame. But <laughs> I get, and you absolutely can. I think I walk around with it on. And I mean, I love your ice tool. The tool is just yeah. amazing. And I guess that's what I probably use the most, and the kids use the most. Even if, like, I've got three boys. They rumble, tumble, bang into walls. There's yeah, always yeah. some injury in my house. And now it's like the go-to. Although it started out as my facial eye smart tool, yeah. they actually use it on their bruises and cuts and things like that. So it's certainly a multi-purpose as well. My Because with the ice tool, you know, like because you can do your own recipes. And yeah. ice, like actually because ice facial is very popular, like especially back like in all the like Eastern European countries because oh. it's snow, it's, yeah, it's snowing. So People know that ice depart your face and it really helps as well like with the swelling and everything. So it's not one of the reasons. I remember my mom and aunties always would apply ice on their face in the morning, like depart their eyes and oh. like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So a morning ritual. That's really yeah, isn't Yeah. And I think we've got that. And yeah. even um, Irina Shade, like she's doing ice facial as well. Like she, she was shown like to the uh, Vogue. A lot of uh, models as well, they do ice facials they put mm-hmm. ice to their face mm. yeah I never knew that what I wanted to say about ice tool is funny because you can we can make your own recipes like I always like my favorite is a coffee recipe I put a shot of coffee there but sometimes I would look put like berries or something there as well like blueberry like even if you know if you do a smoothie but obviously don't put sugar or anything you can just freeze it yeah. and then you can basically it's all natural but my kids sometimes take it away from me and run away because they think it's an ice cream or an icy pop. So. <laughs> See, it's multi-purpose. I must admit we have had that in our house with my ice yeah. tool. I'm like, no, that's mum's, give it back. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it does disappear for multi-purpose reasons, especially when children are involved. So coming back to the products, I'd love to know more about how you market the products. What's been your strategy? What has shifted the needle and what you're doing and how you've managed to grow such a large company in such a short time through marketing? I think social media is definitely has been a key factor for me, especially Facebook and Instagram. I think most of my audience are probably on these platforms. We did try TikTok, Pinterest. Like I, I am still, but it just doesn't resonate as much as Facebook and Instagram for my audience because it's women of 35 plus, like 30, 35 plus. So you just really need to think about where's your target audience, like what age, you know. For me, it was Instagram and social media. And I always say to a lot of other businesses when they're asking for help, I say to them, you can't just do one platform. 
you have to do like you have to do everything. I'm sorry, there is not like there, you can't do uh, social media, let's say Facebook and Instagram, and then do email marketing. If you want to succeed, you have to do everything. Yes, it's hard. You have to do at least like social media and be at least on one platform as Facebook or Instagram. Ideally, be everywhere like TikTok, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram is one. And then um, email marketing, SMS marketing. It's one of the biggest like things I'm trying and testing right now as well. I have been reading a lot of articles. It's been extremely successful in America. And the only this trend is coming right now to Australia. And oh, it's actually text message. So sending people yeah, text message. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Into receiving text messages. Yes. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And right now um, it's like I use Klaviyo for my email marketing. And right now Klaviyo is allowing you to do SMS marketing as well. So it's wow. make, it makes it very easy. Yeah. If you're with Klaviyo. Well, there are so many providers, you know, as well. And because they sell, they like all reports say that SMS marketing is open click rate is the highest, you know, compared to everything what you do. Which makes and, sense. Uh, and I think we use Clavio in here for all our clients. So we actually offer email marketing as a service and we have put all our clients onto Clavio. Um, obviously, this is not endorsed or sponsored, but it is a fantastic platform for email marketing yeah. when you're a little bit overwhelmed or wanting an easy tool to actually implement email marketing. And especially with the product-based businesses and e-commerce, email marketing is a must all, only because all the abundant checkouts, you know, you can send them emails, you can send them texts. If they buy, like, let's say I have right now 10 products and I see the customer who, let's say they love, I must, you can reward them after third, sixth or 10th purchase. That's how we have sequences and flows as well. And then you can say, oh, we saw you bought this. What about we think you would like the other product as well? So email marketing and the flows and sequences, what you can right now do, it's, it's genius. It's great. Absolutely. So Zarina's talking about automated marketing, uh, email marketing, which is something we're really big on at the moment. And I have literally today put a stories poll up about how many people use email marketing. And it is absolutely shocking. The um, results were 60% of my audience, or it could even be higher, 70%, actually are currently not using any form of email marketing, which just blew my mind because we know return on email marketing is so much higher than social media. Doesn't matter whether you're product or service-based, email marketing is vital and you own that database, which I think is essential. And then what you're saying is we now have advanced email marketing that we can automate triggers from when someone's purchased something to when someone's clicked through to something, when they've hovered on a particular page longer than another page, all based on their reactions, we can actually trigger off emails and sequences based on consumer behavior, which is just an amazing tool that before would have been absolutely exclusive for bigger companies. They would have been paying for that software. Whereas now, like Seclavio, Active Campaign, there is so many email. Flowdesk is another one that actually have all this activation built into it so the everyday business owner can actually put in email automation. So I think that's really important to talk about. The other thing I noticed that you've done and you've done incredibly well is working with influencers. Yes, yes. You know what? I wouldn't probably call them as much influencers because, I mean, obviously, I have been using it. I have it. I have approached a few influential people. But right now, what I'm really focusing is the content creators, the people who can create nice, beautiful content. More, it's not about the how many, like how many people 
followers they have. It's more about the quality of the content they're creating. That's what I think before I was more looking at the numbers of the people, like of the followers people have. Right now, for me, it's more about the content they're creating. And the such platforms as well, like you know, it's such sponsored than anything, the right right fit. Like if you are product-based business, the right fit is that platform for you because you can you have to pay like a small amount, but you can do a contra um like how you say like swap exchange. And then usually because you wouldn't be you would be surprised, but so many people are approaching me and say, Oh, we'll create the best content for you, or like on social media. And you like you trust them, you send them the product, but you never hear from them. But with the such platforms like the right fit, you know, you go like fill out the forms, they apply to be like to have a con- agree to have a contra contract or whatever, contra exchange with you for the post. Like you 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 specify what you want. Do you want an image? Do you want a video? Do you wanna, I don't know, you can you can ask for a lot of things. I usually ask for a photo content or for the video content. And then if you more like if you talents apply, you select people, you, you send them, and all of them then post it. Like I had very, very maybe only a few people who have never posted in return of the product, but usually they do. And it's just so easier for the company, small business like me, you know, to control it, I guess. Because yeah. I still like you always teach us, you know, Nikki, like to put a contract with the person but when you do contra or exchange for the for the service it's so hard for like to put a contract in place and then like what do you do Do you're not going to go to court over hundred dollar worth of product you will not you know it will your application will cost you more than absolutely and i think that's such a, a interesting point you bring up about the right fit so if you haven't checked that out I'm on there as an influencer. Um, I got on there out of curiosity, but the program and the system in it is fantastic. And I can absolutely see how it is for a business. So basically as a business owner, you can go on, like Serena said, you will choose whether you are going to offer a contra exchange agreement or whether there is budget for paid opportunity. And then it notifies and matches influencers. So I get kind of a daily email saying, these might be a great fit for you. I jump on as an influencer and go, yes, that's a great fit for my business or my influence, uh, my Instagram, or it's not. So I can decline the offer or I can agree to the offer. And then um, it's all done within the platform. And so it's a very controlled, a much lower risk than like Zarina saying, outreaching to someone and sending them a product. And then there is certain comebacks if the influencer does not oblige or the content creator to actually fulfill mm-hmm. the agreement and right fit will then step on in on your behalf and from what I can see the fees are very reasonable especially if you're looking at that collaboration exchange option rather than paying for people to um, do content and influencing and yeah it's certainly I mean I love it I've been really impressed by it originally the first one to ever do this sort of concept was Tribe Tribe has definitely cracked down and made it a lot harder now. And I feel there's a bit more restrictions in place. For example, they want access to your Facebook with a password to actually join the platform on Tribe now. And I've just said, no way, I'm not doing that. So I found that was really interesting. So I've jumped off Tribe, moved on to RightFit. They've recently in the last sort of two weeks launched an app. So the app's a really good option, but I totally agree with you. If, you know, you're a small business owner, you're delving into the influencers or content creation, or you want more of a volume approach and you want to, you don't want time wasting on you negotiating and going backwards and forwards, 
definitely be sure to check out The Right Fit because it definitely opens your doors to lots more options that perhaps you wouldn't have known or seen these content creators or influencers out there. So I think that's an amazing thing. I want to talk about networking. Like I know, I think that's how I originally met you. I knew in Perth you were um, very much about going out and meeting people and building relationships. I think you do this incredibly well and I think that's a huge part of your success and the impact you've had on people. Do you want to talk to us about networking, why you do it, why you love it? And I even noticed now that you've relocated to Sydney, you're at a business checks event the other day, which looked incredible. I was very jealous. So yeah, share with us how networking has been part of your strategy to actually grow your brand awareness and grow who you are as a business owner. It's funny thing, like you said that, you know, um, I love networking. I mean, I do love networking. I do love to meet new people. But I'm actually, a lot of people don't believe me, but I am introvert. Like people think when they meet me, they think I'm extrovert. I'm not. I'm quite introverted person. But I know like, especially for the business, like for the business, if you want to grow, if you want to uh, not necessarily like sell the business, like or sell the products, just meet people, genuinely meet, uh, not like to meet, make new connections. You have to go to attend events. You have to, uh, sign up for memberships and attend a few meetings. And because I always think to myself, if I'm not going to go to these meetings, if I'm not going to go to these events, people will never know about me. Like you can't hide behind social media. You have to meet the, like, you have to go and meet the person in real life, you know? And also one of the other good things about the events that you can meet quite influential people as well there. You can make a very good connections. Like, that's how, I mean, I first I met you through Instagram and then I met you at the events and everything like, and all the, you know, social media and other like Zoom calls and everything, they will never replace the face-to-face connection. Will, like you need to feel the person, you need to feel the energy. And uh, yeah, that's like, and if you don't meet people, you're just nobody for them, you know, like that's the reality. I'm sorry. Like, you know. It is. And I I mean, I'm such a huge one for events, getting out there, meeting people in person. It's a huge part of how I've built my brand. And I just really think it's it's also a self-esteem thing. When you're in a room of other people that are at the same level as you or having the same problems and challenges as you, you can relate. It gives you a boost. It gives you confidence. And you quite often find the solution in that room to something that you've been struggling with. So by sharing a story with others at a table or at a networking event, it's just incredible the positive um, aspects of it. So I'm I'm with you. I love, um, you know, I think it's, it's so essential, like you say, to actually get out there and meet people face-to-face, grow your network. And, but it's, yeah, it's hugely a part of being a business owner and personal development, I think is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it helps on so many fronts. And I also think, um, because I remember at the few, first few events, I took my friends with me because I didn't want to feel lonely. But then I stopped bringing my friends to the events only because if I, I noticed that if I do bring my friend, I'll hide behind my friend or I'll say, oh, I didn't come here to meet new people. I just came here to, you know, to talk with my friend and then like you stop yourself of making new connections. So then I started to say to myself, no, you're going to this event by yourself. <laughs> so you make yourself to make like to go and talk with somebody or meet somebody or, you know, just okay. make connections. But I think as a business owner, you, you should never go to the event thinking that, you know, you're going to sell the product or, sell your services you just you'll need to be like open-minded and just go and meet the person and be genuine about it 
Absolutely, and build relationships. So you're now currently based in Sydney. Tell us about the relocation there, how it's been for the company, what you found, and kind of what the direction ahead is for Zarina and Kenzina, the company. So, I mean, the idea of to move to Sydney came to both of our minds, like my and mine and my husband. For him, it's career-wise. For me, for, it's all because of Kenzina. Like, I was getting quite comfortable in Perth. <laughs> I started to make very good connections and like, I mean, I miss everyone and I mean, I'll be back. And <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> but I also understood that if I want to grow, I need to go to Sydney. And if I want other major big companies, international companies to take me probably more seriously, I need to be in the bigger city. I need to be in Sydney. And right now, it's almost been, well, it's nine months right now since we've been in Sydney. Yeah, it's in June last year we moved. It was a very hard, bumpy beginning, I would say. We came and then two weeks after the lockdown happened in Sydney, it was for four months. And I have two little children I was supposed to be, we were supposed to do, this is another reason why we moved, because the Beauty Expo was happening in August. So that's why we kind of rushed and moved here in June. In like so, it gives me enough time to get ready for the expo, and it didn't happen. And then all the beauty salons and everyone was closed. So I was all motivated, like you know, to come and come to Sydney, and all we my business <laughs> it was destroyed. Anyway, it's fine. Like you know, that's that's a part of the business. You just have to be as a business owner. You have to be ready. You know, it's not gonna be smooth. You have to be ready for everything. And especially, you know, COVID, I guess, improves that, you know, we just need to be ready for any situation. So, um, but we're getting there. And uh, hopefully this year we can do the Beauty Expo, which will be happening in August. And uh, again, I just wanted to move to Sydney to the bigger city. So I will be taken seriously by other companies, international companies, other businesses. And I just thought, Sydney is the place for me to be to grow. Absolutely. I was, as I said, I was getting too comfortable in Perth. And I love that. I think that's it. And I get, when I get comfortable in my business, I feel a shift coming that I need to do something. I'm kind of in that phase at the moment. And I think, you know, being fearless and doing big jumps and big leaps like that ultimately is what defines a company that's scaling and growing is having the confidence to go, I'm comfortable. Let's shake it up a bit. Let's move to Sydney. And then I think you're absolutely just for meetings and connections and being at all these events. It is definitely, I mean, I've lived in Perth now for a while and I love it here, but I can completely understand your reasoning to widen that audience and have more opportunity that Sydney does bring that Perth potentially doesn't have currently. You would have spent a lot of time flying backwards and forth and with two young kids, obviously yeah. that's not viable. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's a really, um, you know, a really incredible, brave move. And I know it's been incredibly successful and I know it's going to continue to grow the company and success. So congratulations on everything you've achieved because I'm just in awe of how quickly you've scaled the company and, you know, with 300 stockers globally. Who knows? Next time we chat, it might be in every country in the world. So I just want to pick on um, three quick questions that you want to ask me about business or marketing or anything else. What do you have for me today? I think um, I have a few questions. I think, you know, like what's the best way, I guess, to do events or anything at the moment because all the, like, it doesn't matter where you are right now in the world, everything what's happening, like, 
what do you recommend to run more online events to write still do face-to-face events yeah I would small- I would absolutely recommend still face-to-face events where possible. And, I mean, we're still doing it here in Perth but on a much smaller scale. So under 10 people, under 15 people, very boutique. So as a suggestion for your business, you could go out to some of your stockists and suppliers or any of some of the distributor channels and offer to do in-house little two-hour or 90-minute workshops in these skin clinics and to introduce your product. And so the business owner of that clinic or um, spa or salon would actually then introduce, bring their top 10 clients to that event. So it's highly targeted. It's someone that they know and trust and have built a relationship in that business, but they also know they're a very good client of that business. And you would go and do a 90-minute demonstration or networking event, but the key is to do it on a much smaller scale as in 10 to 15 highly targeted people. Mm, I'd love this idea. (laughs) (laughs) Do a tour, a tour, a 90 minute, like a tour of all your stockers. And and that's again, like we say, networking and building relationships and getting in front of your ideal customer. My second question, like what steps should I take, like as a small business, as a micro business, but to get noticed by big publishers, like big, you know, magazines? Yeah, absolutely. So I've had um, worked a little bit in the US um, with a bit of editorial. We had a product that we were marketing into LA and New York. Quite interestingly, the um, magazine industry over in the US is huge. It is Mm. 20 times, a thousand times bigger than Australia. We really have a tiny print options in in Australia. There is very little print um, publications still around. But if we move to the US... You will find that if you pitch your products or inclusions in the what's hot right now and, you know, skincare to watch and, you know, um, those sort of editorial features, you will actually pick up a lot of complimentary or free features in magazines. I think we were working in the bridal industry. I think there was upwards of 100 publications in the US, some publishing weekly, some publishing fortnightly, some publishing monthly, and they were consistently looking for what's happening, what's new, new stories. So I think it would be a great time for you to literally either you or you dedicate a VA to start pitching to magazines, not only in Australia but the US and New Zealand and other countries because there is just so much more opportunity out there for editorial content in um, print publishing in other countries outside of Australia. Oh yeah, interesting. No, I didn't. I didn't think about internationally. I thought more like in Australia. But yeah, good. Yeah, I just in Australia. I think you know the main way into print publications is through a PR agency these days because you've got to have incredibly strong connections. And I guess that's what our role is as a PR agency. We have brilliant relationships with the journalists, but it's very hard as an everyday business to pitch to a journalist in today's world because they get 100, 200 emails a day and to make yours be the one they open, you know, you're a bit of a needle in the haystack, whereas where the PR agency sends it, they know my email, they know whoever I'm bringing to them and pitching to them is of high quality because I've already, you know, crafted the story and the pitch for them. So whereas in the US there is a lot more opportunity and to get into these magazines. So for you, I would actually be now just putting on hold the Australian print industry and moving to look at US opportunities and get someone sitting there pitching on your behalf your stories into these publications. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> I can see your mind ticking over there. Uh, yeah, I know. My mind. Uh, every time Nikki, I talk with you, my mind is like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to do that to I people. Can't... I get that all the time. Oh, you've just spun me for a loop and off I am on a new direction. 
I went to the bathroom like for a couple nights because I'm thinking about it. I remember that time. I told you something. I can't remember what it was now. And then like for three nights, you're like, Nikki, I cannot sleep thinking about what you told me. And it was just a general conversation we had. And I'm like, why don't you do this? And you're like, oh, my God. Do you remember what that was? I kind of remember that. No, well, see, that was like one of the questions you, you like was on our list. Like, what would I recommend to people to do? And I would say, like, I think when we met like two years ago, I was so un- like, not that I was unprofessional in terms, but just my social media was not there. You know, my website, it wasn't there. And that's just, you know, it's what you told me. But I guess not that I wasn't ready. I was ready. You know, I took all your all your recommendations and I implemented them. But I just... I wish I could have done that earlier from the beginning, you know, and that's what I would recommend a lot of other businesses. Make your website, make your social media, everything look professional from day one. It will save you so much time and people will take you seriously, like much quicker than it was for me. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's what we've become quite known for as polishing brands. And as you know, I'm brutally honest. And I literally go to someone, your brand is not at the level you think it is. You need to overhaul your social media or you need to, um, you know, overhaul your website. So it is represented like a global company or it appears much bigger than it is. And yes, it can absolutely be smoke and mirrors to start with because that ensures brand trust and authority. So it is vital that, um, you know, and like you're saying, if you have a little bit of additional income or cash, go and spend it on someone that can literally come in like what we do and go, right, this is a weakness in your business. Here's the solution. Maybe you need to do this on your website because that's why it's not converting. This is what's going on with your socials. You need to do this. So that is absolutely like what you're saying as a business owner, a really vital investment if you can afford it. And I know at startup, it's quite hard, but by actually sacrificing that little bit of money, you'll be blown away by someone's eyes across your brand and picking up these uh, inconsistencies and just helping you polish the brand so it appears on a much more professional level. So I think that's, I think I did a social media audit or something for you and that's how it all started. And it will yeah. take, you know, usually I have people go to me, oh my God, I can't sleep. I've been thinking about what you said for the last week before they actually settle and go, oh my God, you know, this is what I needed to hear and it could be shocking at the start but that's how we move forward and progress yeah totally I I was I was like what (laughs) I know I think I was brutally I remember you going you're making me cry and I'm like I don't mean to make you cry but look you need to do this if you want to be there it was good it was was yeah absolutely and do you have one more last question for me I don't know I don't know whatever other recommendations I don't know social media anything shoot me criticize me I'm ready (laughs) no I think I think the biggest thing I'm noticing at the moment is people are too focused on social media that's becoming alarmingly obvious for uh, to me and I mean in the recent last few weeks I've seen more people lose their social media accounts their Instagram accounts overnight be locked out of them and they're coming are getting these emails going how do I recover my account it's my whole income it's my whole marketing strategy what do I do about this and I'm like oh my gosh I talk about this all the time and clearly I need to talk about it even more, but then having an email strategy in place and having different platforms like you're saying, multiply your platforms purely for safety reasons that you can actually then, if you do lose one of these social media accounts or it gets deleted, you know, you do have the opportunity to still connect with your audience. It is not enough just to have an Instagram account and it's not enough just to rely on sales coming through via Instagram. So I think the biggest question I always ask people is if if you lost your account tomorrow, would you survive? 
Is there other revenue streams coming into your business? Is there another way you can contact the people that are on your social media, be it by a text message, be it by an email? Because I, last year, my Instagram account, my big one with, you know, 55,000 people, I went to log into it and it just logged me out. And I was like, what, what's going on? And literally I, there was someone impersonating me and they'd shut my account down, not the other person, the fake account. And it literally took me 14 days, which is actually not that long if you've lost an account to actually recover it. But my God, it was a little bit stressful. Fortunately, I had many marketing avenues outside of social media that were happening for me. And I also had a secondary account with close to 20,000 people on it. So, you know, I was in a much better position than most. But I mean, I know someone this week that's lost their account. It's their whole livelihood. They have no other way of contacting anyone. So I think that's the biggest takeaway. I really want to encourage people in the next 12 months to actually build a platform as powerful off social media as a way to market their business. And I, I know you do have social, uh, you have email marketing and you are doing other things um, by having being in businesses and salons and places like that. So, I mean, you're um, absolutely set up to withstand should touch wood, it doesn't happen. But if your Instagram account was locked out or um, temporary suspended, you would have the ways to contact your current customers mm-hmm. and suppliers. So, yeah, um, but it just allows me the amount of people that do not. So I think it's something we need to talk about more and build into our marketing strategies overall that we've got PR and print magazines going for us. We've got email marketing going for us. We've got networking and relationships outside of Instagram that can help sustain our business and grow it moving forward. So thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I always love catching up and hearing what your latest idea is. Where can we find you on social media and on our website? Let us know your handles. So for the website, it's just kenzina.com.au. And then for the Instagram, it's kenzina underscore skincare. Do you want to just spell Kanzina for us for people that are walking around or taking notes? (laughs) So it's K-E-N-Z-I-N-A. Perfect. Amazing. So if you um, follow Zarina on Kanzina or um, go on the website, be sure to reach out to her and let her know you've listened to this podcast and be sure to check out those ice tools and her amazing eye masks. I'm a huge fan. I use them daily. Um, And thank you. I look forward to chatting to you soon and seeing the progression in your company in the coming 12 months. Thank you very much, Nikki. I hope you loved today's episode. I am so passionate about sharing the stories of other business owners and passing on my knowledge and experience from the last 17 years of business ownership. If you enjoyed the Passion to Profit podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review or you shared it to your Insta stories. Don't forget to tag me at Nikki Milne underscore. In the show notes below, you'll find a link to my new step-by-step marketing audit for your business. Together, we're going to audit your current digital assets, identify your weaknesses, and you'll discover the solutions you need to accelerate growth in your business right now. And did I mention that I am letting you have this complimentary for a limited time only? It is valued at $297. So what are you waiting for? Go to nikimilne.com forward slash business audit or hit the link in the show notes below. I'll see you there.